Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy holidays, listeners, and welcome to Ohio Mysteries. Tonight, we are bringing you our Christmas episode. Since next Sunday is Christmas Eve, we will run one of our past Christmas episodes. But tonight, we will bring you a new one. So let's throw another log on the fire, campers. Let's dig up a new Ohio mystery. I'm your co-host, Steve Yoder, and with us, as always, is our award-winning journalist who spent 30-plus years at the Akron Beacon Journal writing stories just like this, Paula Schleiss. Hi, everybody. Ohio has some very special connections to the Christmas tree. For more than a century, it was accepted that August Imgard was the man who put up the first Christmas tree in America. August was a German immigrant, homesick for the traditions of the old country, when he chopped down a spruce in 1847, put it up in the living room of his brother's home in Worcester, Ohio, and decorated it. His neighbors were in awe of the spectacle and copied him the next year, making Worcester one of the most festive places to be at Christmas time. We know now that August wasn't the first but he was among the first, and locals still honor him by decorating the tree outside his Worcester Cemetery mausoleum every December. We did an episode on August Imgard several years ago. We'll put a link to it in the episode notes. August does get credit for giving Ohio another first. He was the first person known to hang candy canes as ornaments. The National Confectioners Association gives him that distinction. Ohio also has a connection to the first Christmas tree decorated with electric lights. I bet you know where this is going. Thomas Edison, the inventor of the light bulb, created the very first strand of electric lights in 1880 and hung them outside his Menlo Park Laboratory in New Jersey. A couple of years after using the strand of lights as a building decoration, Edison's friend and partner in the Edison Illumination Company, Edward Johnson, put a similar string of lights on his Christmas tree, making it the first tree illuminated with electricity. Of course, it's a little bit of a stretch, but since Thomas Edison was Ohio's son, 
We'll share a little in the credit there. Tonight, we want to tell you about another connection to the Christmas tree. If you grew up in the 1950s and 60s, you'll probably remember the Christmas twinklers, often also called spinners. Even if you grew up in the 70s, there's a good chance you might recognize them as well. Maybe a cherished memory of your grandparents' tree. And if you're a collector of vintage Christmas memorabilia, then you definitely know this one. It's one of the most sought-after ornaments in that market. The Twinklers were a phenomenon, selling millions across the country. And yet, they were a flash in the pan. Because as hot an item as they were, it was the heat that doomed them. This is the story of their inventor, John Garver, and of the Christmas ornament that time forgot. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. John Garver was born in September of 1929, one month before the Great Depression began. His parents, Paul and Mildred, were farmers in northeast Ohio's Mahoning County, not far from Youngstown. John credited his upbringing on the farm and that belt-cinching era of his birth with making him a tinkerer. On a farm, you have to repair your own machinery, he once told the Mahoning Valley Historical Society for an interview. By the time I was six, I knew how to weld. As a youngster, John recalled wanting a train for Christmas badly, But his dad said, no, if someone gives you a train, you'll simply watch it. What's the fun in that? If you want a train, you'll have to make it. That's when John's dad started making sure that every Christmas, his son got a new erector set, those popular metal toy construction kits. John went to Boardman High School, where he graduated in 1947. Then he was off to Indiana, where he enrolled in Manchester College in North Manchester. He collected a science degree in 1951. It was also at Manchester College where he collected a wife, Joanne Gressley. Then John and Joanne returned to Ohio. First, he taught a year of school in southern Ohio, but as soon as there was an opening, he went right back to his alma mater, Boardman High, and there he taught science, chemistry, biology, and driver's ed for the next 30 years. He was a coach, too. He founded and developed the school's tennis team. His tennis team reached the state tournament 20 times in his career. He was a pretty good tennis player. 
He'd won more than 50 tournaments himself and reached the rank of number three amateur in Northeastern Ohio. But that creative spark that started on his farm, it never went away. And his career as a teacher and a coach proved to be fuel for new ideas. As a driver's ed instructor, he saw a need for a mechanism that would allow him, as the teacher, to activate a brake pedal from the passenger side. He developed it and patented it. In his role as a tennis coach, he engineered and patented machines that would serve tennis balls, footballs, and baseballs for practice. His machines could even be adjusted to change the spin of the ball. They were put to work by several Major League Baseball teams and National Football League teams. Ultimately, Garver held 10 patents for a variety of products. While most of them were related to needs that he recognized in his role as a teacher and a coach, the one that proved to be most successful was a little decorative item with no real function other than to make people smile. It was a Christmas ornament that spun by using the heat generated by a Christmas tree bulb. It was the 1950s, and back then, electric Christmas strands were made of incandescent lights, large, fiercely bright bulbs that were highly inefficient because they gave off more heat than light. Garver set out to figure out how to capture the thermal air current generated by a bulb to activate an ornament. It was a challenge. At first, he developed a little fan that would spin on a needle and a glass ball bearing. You needed to clip the needle to a tree branch near a light bulb for it to work. But here's the problem. People don't use a lot of tinsel anymore. But back then, every Christmas tree was adorned by layers of the thin, silvery material. Between that and the angel hair garland that was popular, the fan that made up Garver's ornament would frequently get tangled up. As is often the case with the invention process, the answer to this problem revealed itself suddenly and accidentally. One year, Garver's sister gave him a bow tie for Christmas, and the accessory was sheathed in a tube of hard, clear plastic. Carver said he felt dumb for not thinking of it before, but that was the solution, to put the fan inside a plastic sleeve. At home, he cut some plastic himself, baked it in his home oven to create the shape he wanted, and slipped his fan inside. It worked. The spiral fan looked as if it were fluttering inside a birdcage. Garver took the little prototype to school and showed it to his classes. One of his students, Dean Hoover, was the son of a local manufacturer. My dad could make that for you, he told Garver. And so Garver was introduced to Frank Hoover, the founder of Plakey Toys. 
Clakey was started during the Depression to make plastic gear shift knobs for cars. That was a need that Hoover had identified while working for the auto industry in Detroit. But when Frank saw his toddler son totally engrossed by a ring of colored plastic samples that he had at home, he came up with another product. He put the small colored discs on a plastic chain and sold them as a toy for children. They also found a popular use as teething rings. By the 1950s, Plakey was making all sorts of children's toys, from rattles to dolls. Garver had found the perfect partner for his Christmas ornament, and Plakey began production. It was an overnight hit. In a single day, at the Strauss department store in downtown Youngstown, they sold thousands. Not surprisingly, Ohio became ground zero for the sales of the Christmas Twinkler, but they were quickly being sold all over the country. At its peak, consumers were snatching up three million of them a year. As the original spinners were flying off shelves, John's wife, Joanne, was looking for new designs, and she found one using the cookie cutters in her kitchen. And so the little birdcage design was soon joined by a star with a spinning fan at the center. There were some quality control issues that they were still trying to work out. The plastic sleeves could eventually warp from the heat. But a far more difficult obstacle to overcome was on its way. Christmas tree bulbs had long been a safety issue. Artificial trees had been around since the late 1800s, but they really took off after World War II in the 1940s. Thankfully, people had long moved away from the tradition of putting live candles on their trees. Still, the electric lights in use at the time, with those large candelabra bases, were, as I said earlier, very hot, and the new plastic trees were flammable. So engineers were hard at work finding a way to make Christmas lights cooler. In 1966, General Electric introduced its midget lights, and they did not generate enough heat to spin the spinner. The era of the Christmas twinkler was over. Today, The ornaments still have a market. Vintage collectors, the ornaments that once sold for 29 cents each, now go for as much as $50 a piece on eBay. They say if you put them in the window on a sunny day, they'll still spin. John and Joanne Garver were married for more than 65 years and raised five kids, Candy, Pamela, John, Joellen, and Rodney, John Sr. died in 2015. In his later years, he tried to revive his twinkler, convinced he could find a way to make it work again. 
He was focused on an aluminum version and was still playing around with it until his death. As far as Plakey toys, Frank Hoover died in 1960 and his wife took over. Dorothy expanded the company into nursery products, including blankets and crib sheets and cloth-covered books and dolls. Company sales grew to $4 million a year, but competition eventually put the family business out of business, and Plakey closed its doors in 1992. I want to thank one of our listeners, Julie, an Ashtabula County native, for sharing her research into this topic, and also want to credit the Mahoning Valley Historical Society for the foresight to get a video interview with John Garver before his death. That's it for tonight, listeners. For photos, news clippings, and more on this and every episode, hop on over to our website at ohiomysteries.com. We hope all of you have a wonderful holiday. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II. Each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources, which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from.